And like, I remember telling myself when I was you know, working my very first job, like I can't, I want to be my own boss. After getting another job, another job, it kind of just like sinks in a little bit to where like I had that confidence and it allowed me to become my own business and be my own boss. This is the Startup Club Podcast, where every week we feature local experts and successful entrepreneurs from around San Antonio. In each episode, we aim to educate and inspire small business owners just like you. I'm your host, Samuel Reen, and with my co-host, Derek Bull, we hope you enjoy the show. And don't forget, you can join the Startup Club for free at sastartupclub.com. Hey guys, this is Sam Reem of the Startup Club Podcast. I'm excited to bring you Albert Gonzalez today. He came and talked to us at Hausman Millworks, which is an art gallery down by Ashby and uh, Woodlawn. If you don't know Albert, I know you've seen his uh, pictures around town. He has a lot of works hanging up around uh, banks and uh, government centers. And uh, probably his most notable piece is the Spurs mural down on uh, uh, South Alamo and St. Mary's. I'll have a picture of that in the show notes to check him out. But he has a really unique story. I want you to key in on, as you hear about how his decision to become his own boss caused him to be homeless, that experience gave him an appreciation for the dollar, which weighed into the way he prices his product. I love what he talks about in pricing. And the part that I want you to listen for is how many times he says value. He talks about bringing value to people and everything he does from the paintings to the experiences that he's trying to create it's it's bringing value and that's how he sees art that's how he sees pricing it's very cool so listen to that also listen for how he talks about he does market research the question i get most asked is sam i do I make this super custom piece, I put in all this effort, I have high quality materials, there's nothing else like it on the market. How do I price this? Well, arguably, there's nothing more unique than a painting. There's nothing else like your painting on the market. So how do you price that? Listen to how Albert goes around town, he looks for pieces that he loves, and he sees what they're priced for. He's constantly doing market research by going out and looking for more painting. And he's accomplishing a couple things there. He's not only uh, finding inspiration, but he's also out there bartering for pieces and getting his own pieces out into the public. So that's pretty cool. So listen for that. Before we jump into this episode, though, I wanted to introduce our sponsor, This podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, ZipRecruiter has revolutionized how you do it. Their technology identifies the right people and invites them to apply. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Help support this show and try it free at ZipRecruiter.com slash The Startup Club. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, one more thing. You're going to hear a third voice on this podcast That is the voice of none other than Ricky Garcia, a.k.a. Blue Komodo. He's our producer, and he also does our videos for the Startup Club. 
So you've probably seen him, his at least his work on our Instagram and Facebooks. He's definitely out there for hire. So if you're looking for uh, work, uh, you any video production, reach out to him. But he came on this episode because he's the one who put us in touch with Albert. And we really appreciate all the work that he does for us and then also getting us this interview. It's really cool. So you'll hear, you'll hear uh, Ricky in this uh, episode as well. All right. And with that, guys, I think it's time to jump into the show. So, uh, Albert, I think we've... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to restart that. <laughs> so, Albert, I think we're ready to uh, start talking to you about, like, how did you get started as an artist? Man, <laughs> that's a really long story, but one of these, uh, I hit these, like, keynotes. These are, like, these milestones in my life. Yeah. So, before, I was, you know, always working, always looking for a new job. And I found myself uh, thinking this particular day after having a number of uh, signs that told me, hey, like, you know, this might be the, the career, this might be the next move. And I always went with my gut feeling after like experiences that I had growing up, I went with that feeling and it saved my life and I went with that feeling and, you know, it led me to all these different opportunities. So this one morning I go to work and we had a system error on our computer and um, or at least I did, and I'm waiting for my computer to restart. And I start doodling at my desk on a little notepad. And my, my manager at the time, I jokingly, I played around. He said, hey, don't do that. I'll write you up. I quit. <laughs> I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm be an artist. Wow. <laughs> Where were you working at the time? Do you, uh, mind, do you mind us asking? Uh, it was for uh, a pharmacy. I was working in their back office. Okay. Uh, stuff. So what, what I was doing is uh, coverage determinations, which was, you know, for people that get uh, prescriptions. Uh, the doctor sends the prescription over to the insurance, and we make sure, you know. That they, yeah, that so you're just you're just stuff. doing these like data entry type stuff. Yeah. And they say, hey, you can't doodle and or yeah, draw. Yeah, so that, that like, switch, like you know, that switch was always like in the middle, and finally that switch just like went on. And, and just from that simple comment that your your supervisor made. Yeah. So as I'm wow. walking out, I had this you know thought going through my head like this is like the dumbest thing you've ever done. Like I was like telling myself like. You really, you know, were living paycheck to paycheck. I had just moved back with my mom. I was trying to save up for a new apartment. Um, so I was trying to, like, save money. And, um, yeah, I walk home one day, and like, I get back, and my mom, I remember, she was like, what are you doing here? And, you know, that decision led me to, you know, just pursue my career full-time. And um, at first, not that many people, like, really believed in me. Like, uh-huh. they're like, oh, look, he's painting and drawing. That's, that's cool. Yeah. But that... I don't think I really got like, oh, like you're gonna go somewhere one day, or you're gonna, you know, do so many things. Yeah, like, you're getting a leery eye from everybody you told. I, yeah, I'm trying to do art as a as a career. Like I had very few people that were just like, yeah, like you know, here's my money. I love, want to support your art. I love this painting. More was like, oh, I have to buy this because like you probably need money. Oh yeah. <laughs> so do you think so? Yeah. So how old were you at the time? Uh, I was 25. Okay. And and I remember just like feeling this like I felt pretty like upset that this was like the situation, but I kept telling myself like people are going to start like really seeing what I'm doing. Like rather than just buying it and being like, oh yeah, this is cool, they're going to be like, oh damn, like I got you know an Albert Gonzalez, and I, I that's what I kept telling myself. And you know when we were talking about pricing. You know, if someone didn't have five dollars on them, and let's say you're like, "Oh, I just have a dollar," I said, "Oh, cool, I'll, I'll take it." Yeah, dollar. Like that, really? that was like my, my mentality was just, like, yeah, make it I, I'm I'm a business now. I'm no longer working for the company that was paying me, you know, seven hundred dollars every two weeks or seven hundred dollars every week. Like, 
like since I had my first job, I always told myself I want to be my own boss. Like mm -hmm. when you were 16, you get your first job, you hate having a clock in. You hate having a clock out. Yeah, you no. hate that one hour lunch. You just at yeah, lunch yeah, one day. And, <laughs> yeah, like I man, like I remember telling myself when I was, you know, working my very first job, like I can I wanna be my own boss. <laughs> and you know, the years after getting another job and another job, it kinda of just like sinks in a little bit to where like you might not be able to do that. But luckily, you know, I had this experience to where I had that confidence and it allowed me to become my own business and be my own boss and manage my own time and and uh, I I owe it to you know the people I had in my life during that time frame because I had a lot of really good managers and uh, no one was like the whole situation with me you know quitting from my manager like I had the confidence to tell him and, and know that he would somewhat be supportive or understand and see where wow. I was coming from so uh, I had people that I used to work with they're like man like I remember that day like like and it, and it makes them happy to see like what I'm doing, like I'm doing it. Like I, I, I would be pretty disappointed if I had quit that day and like everybody that was there was like, yeah, that dude quit and like he tried to do it with his art. Now he's like, yeah. Does, does your manager? Does he? Does he? Do you guys stay in contact or anything? Does he know you made it? Uh, I don't think so. He was actually from well, because it was a new training manager uh -huh. and he was from out of town and. Uh, well, so he has no idea. He, he, you guys were only briefly probably even knew each other at that point. Yeah, like if anything, we had lunch together and like talked a couple times. It was that, that, that sort of respect to where like we're not so like hard on, on each other about what we're doing. I did what I did the best or, or however best I could. Yeah. And I think there was this understanding that like I was a hard worker and I was a cool dude and I wasn't there to like piss anybody off. I was just chill. And I, I felt like he was there the same way. Like he wasn't a manager that was there to like you know, be on everybody's butt. He was there to just like make sure everybody's doing a good job and just helping out whenever he needed to. And I felt, you know, with, with him not giving me any pushback, but like, why are you doing this? Like, he was like, yeah, like. So then you must have. So when did you start a drawing and painting? You're like, when did? So you were doing art before that day, I guess. And then, yeah, yeah, I was always weird build up to that moment, right? Yeah. So uh, growing up, I just always thought I was creative, like. I was always doodling on stuff I wasn't supposed to like doodle on <laughs> and you know I, I never yeah and you know there's there's times where you know I was working and I'm taking notes at the same time and you know workers got slow so during the top of my notes you see like this art that like kind of comes into like the notes and stuff so like I obviously don't own those that's you know ready to yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll be a fun piece of history, now, actually. Right? Like, yeah. look at look at my notebook from my fifth grade math class. You know. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> my fiance, and that's like a whole other story of like all the stuff that I, you know, from school, you know, test books and stuff like that. Like, now that I look back on it, it's like I always was an artist. I just never really believed in myself to expand from a certain uh, material. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. Like, so you, when you made this shift, you. I'm sure you were really scared to, leave, like, like you said, leave your job. But when, how did that feel? Did you have fear when you were leaving, or you know, your confidence in yourself at this point that you're like, you know what, I'm gonna make it as an artist? Yeah, it was a lot of confidence, and it kind of fluctuated throughout, you know, the. the I'm sure, yeah. But um, one thing I always told myself that I was gonna do as much research as I could because I knew nothing about how to be an artist, and I ended up uh, going on the internet and searching, you know, art lectures, art business lectures. And it led me to a, a artist by the name of uh, Paul Klein. 
Okay. And he was having a lecture, I believe, like, I don't even want to say city because I don't remember. But anyway, he's giving a lecture, and it's about, like, how to make it as an artist. And one of the bits of information that he kind of starts off with is be around people are more successful than you or be around people that are where you want to be or who you want to be like. And I reached out to, you know, multiple artists that I Googled just after hearing that part of that lecture. And um, pretty much I didn't want to ask to be an assistant. Some I did just because I would, you know, like the opportunity. But I always kind of threw that out there. And I even had told it to Rex. But before I had talked to Rex, I talked to a number of different artists. And a lot of times where it's like, I'm too busy to talk right now or I get hung up on. And it was just a really interesting experience. But at the last part of that, that little phone calling <laughs> uh, situation, um, I came across Rex Houseman, who's you know part owner of this place, and I was reading about some of the stuff that he's been able to do in his career. And at that time, I was just starting off; I wasn't doing too good. And I called Rex, and unlike all the other artists that I tried to reach out to, he was like, "Yeah, man, I could talk to you. I'm on a road trip. Like, you know, what do you want to know?" And I remember asking him, "Like, how did you make it? Like, how how did you get to where you are now?" And what he told me was. I'm not going to tell you step by step on what you need to do. I'm just going to tell you what I did, and you take whatever from that, and you know just hmm. apply it to, really cool. to your life. So uh, we talked for almost like an hour and a half, and he ended the conversation with like, if you have any good ideas, don't procrastinate. Just make them happen. He goes, even if it's in the smallest way, like writing in a notebook or like tell someone else, or or uh, you know take the first step to actually making it an actual thing he's like baby steps or you know just doing it all in one day he goes figure out how to like do those ideas and you know everything else just starts to happen and he says like, don't be an asshole like he always tells him that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like that's cool always a, always a good suggestion yeah if you have a good idea don't procrastinate yeah that that's awesome that's great advice so you found this mentor how early on was that when you found him this is probably like three months into it wow and, and you were still you were living with your mom still at that point no, in time. No, I, I actually uh, I was kind of just going around the city. You, were you couch surfing? Were you all right? Yeah, I remember I stayed the night at my friend Robert's house, and he already had gone off to work, and I'm sitting outside like <laughs> like I just have like my pants on, and you know I wore the same thing almost every day, so I was like trying to get that washed, and I'm just sitting outside on the phone talking to Rex, and like early in the morning I think it was like maybe like 9 or 10 it was like early in the day and I'm talking to Rex and you know when he says that I'm just like yeah like all these good ideas I'm just going to do them I kept thinking about them and sleeping on them and letting it like manifest into something else and after Rex said that I was like no I'm just going to put these all into motion and they'll grow as they're like that's awesome yeah you're literally that's that's incredible because you're at a point where you're like uh no, you're big. Um, you basically hit rock bottom somewhere in there. Like, can you yeah. walk us through that? Like you said, you're not living at your mom's house anymore. Were you, did she kick you out or what happened? No, so she always, like, I'm sure she would say, like, she believed in me the whole time. But, like, there was a point where she was always like, you should just get a job. You should just, you know, like, be, you know, doing what you were doing before. Yeah. And, you know, she... You would see that I hardly ever had money. So, like, the times when I went back to visit, 
uh, after making the decision to just get out of the house. Like, I, I, you know, uh, parents have their roles, right, for their, their homes. Sure. Like, when you're going to be in my house, when I have my roles, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was just certain roles that I just didn't, like, feel that I could comply with. And, and I felt like it was the best decision for me just to get out of there, even if it meant me, like, you know, doing what I did. And um, it, it was tough because it was a learning experience. And I found myself walking the streets at times when I would have been asleep already. I found myself, you know, sitting on a bench knowing that the bus wasn't going to arrive for another, like, three or four hours. But I'm uh. just sitting there, like... I'm not going to go anywhere because I'm super tired and wow. I'm not going to like, do anything else. So, like, I found myself, a lot of times, I like to say, like, I didn't really sleep on the bench. Like, I was just so aware of my surroundings. Like, I'm not just wanting to get, like, comfortable and just, like, crash out. Like, I, I was so driven. I was a lot thinner than I am now. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of my family were like, oh, you know, you're gaining weight. It's like, yeah, like, I actually have money for, for food now. Like, wow. I, like wow. I, I'm eating and, and stuff that I would have been doing before, but... Um, I, I put myself in that situation and it humbled me and it allowed me to learn more. So it sounds like you moved out a lot of, for your sanity, I guess, mm -hmm. almost. You know, you just needed to, to be on your own. Well, you but that, I mean, that's a tough decision because you go into this survival mode. Like, where are you painting? Where are you doing your art? Yeah, oh, so. on the streets. Really? Yeah. yeah. So would people just walk by you, you know, when you were maybe on a street and just be like, that's pretty cool? And yes. then maybe buy? So um, after that, uh, I had had started out, and um, I started, you know, thinking about, you know, experiences, and then what was going to separate me from, you know, other artists, because I just didn't want to be the artist that's painting. There's a lot of artists that are just like, yeah, yeah, like what could set me apart, and it's another idea that I'm working on for next year, because um, as I practice this uh, idea, um, I learned a lot about people. I would wear a mask and I would have my paint jacket that I, a blazer that I designed and my clothes always had paint on it. A lot of people always gave me compliments that it just looked like really cool and like <laughs> unique and nice and stuff. But as I was doing it, I, I turned out this idea that had been resting in my head since the very beginning and that was how can I make it a performance? Like it's a once in a lifetime experience mm. to see that. Like as much as I did it every day, like I thought, you know, I'm going to step back from that. And now make that an exclusive thing because me in the mask, like I, I feel like I'm like another person sometimes yeah. because like I don't really have to like reply to a lot of stuff. Um, I could just like nod my head, shrug my shoulders, and it's like nonverbal communication that for me is like the coolest experience with people because you know you could say something and if you like nod your head, like that's probably like the coolest thing ever because like you understand like yeah you feel it like like and it's really cool and that's. A part of how people started recognizing, like putting my your brain. Yeah, not not your face because you're wearing a mask. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, but you're like creating a brand around what you're doing. And, and like, I think the coolest part about doing that and doing that experiment and, and that, that practice, um, I've learned a lot. I would probably say a lot. I learned a lot because you would think a mask and a person in public would like. I get people to like not approach be afraid. You. Yeah. yeah, and it did it was the opposite. The opposite. Yeah. yeah, and it did the complete opposite. And huh. I was the coolest part. So well, that's cool. Yeah. So at this point, you're 25, right? You're still 25. Um, or oh, 24, actually. It was like the okay. So that happened in November when I quit my job. Okay. Like, uh, October. Actually, so you know, 
I was 24 when I started, and then on my 25th birthday in October, you know, this is, you know, during that part where I started selling more work mm-hmm. and people started recognizing me more, uh, I told myself that I wanted to, like, stand out but again, you know, I wanted to, like, get people away of what I was doing, yeah. and uh, one of the goals that I had set myself for my very first year was to sell a painting for $1,000 and to have a solo exhibition. Cool. So, you okay. know, it seemed like really hard to do, and I remember the very time I thought of, I thought of that idea, like oh, a painting for a thousand dollars. I was barely selling them for like fifty dollars. So, you can see how I don't So, so I remember telling myself that, and I had my first uh, solo exhibition. I was able to find uh, local sponsors and, and also you know put some of my own money into it. And uh, for that solo exhibition, I had a little close to like. 60, like 60, 62, or I think actually 63 paintings ah. in that show, all sizes, and um, that weekend I sold three paintings, ah. <laughs> but I had a whole bunch okay. of Okay, so you sold them, so you, you usually sold for 50, $50 a painting-ish, right? Or yeah, less than it 50. Yeah, so it went from like, like literally that first year painting sold between, you know, small, really small stuff, I'd say I got paid a dollar for not paintings, but like smaller works of art. Uh-huh. So like everything ranging from like a dollar to I think two seventy five from that the, that time to my art show. Okay. I think the most expensive painting was like four hundred that I sold, okay. uh-huh. and that was through one of my my friends who who had been super busy himself. He was starting his own uh, automotive shop. So you know, at the very beginning of my career, like he didn't really have money to spend on art. But at this point, when I had my my uh, art my art career like kind of going off, uh, he had his business already kind of making money. So he shows up and you know he's walking around. And he sees the painting. And he's like, "I want that one." And I was like, right. "You're like, wow." Yeah, so, so ironically, he wasn't able to buy the dollar painting you were selling, but he just rolled in there and, and made your most expensive piece at that time. Yeah, I like to say that's like the most important thing to an artist is like we have. Our, our patrons and then we also have like just the people who are just become like more than like like they're like best friends they're friends of relationships that's the most they're important. moved by your work yeah, yeah. It, and, and you know I appreciate everybody that supports art my art like art in general because you know that's what makes life better for me so, yeah, so explain to me you mentioned sponsors earlier you said patrons right so, like, what is your relationship with, and, and how did you obtain patrons or sponsors as an artist? Really, I just try to remember everybody, and I, I feel like everybody's like a friend. Like, they're, they're more than, they might see it as like, oh, you know, I just bought a painting, but like, I like to imagine it's like, they believe in me. Like, so and that's why I they keep coming back to you, too, I'm sure. They, they like what so. you're doing, and they also, I mean, if you were, if they didn't believe in you, they wouldn't come back to you. Yeah. There's other artists out there. Out there, I, I just sold a painting to uh, some good friends of ours now and, and collectors. Uh, Steve and David, they just commissioned me for a portrait, and you know we're having this conversation yesterday, and you know we're talking about art, we're talking about what they're doing, their jobs, their life, and you know they asked me about what I'm doing, and I'm just like, you know, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm just yeah. always trying to like be better, and they're like, man, like. You're so driven. <laughs> I'm just yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't feel like I feel like it's my life. You know, and it's cool to have people that support it or just see what I'm doing. And, and like I said, they, they might not have a whole bunch of money to spend, 
but like every little dollar counts. Like I'm not just gonna say, hey, well, give me a dollar and not give you anything. It's like, no, I wanna give you a piece of like, of me. I actually have this really cool uh, quilt that I just got from the, oh, the yard sale. Right so I'm yeah. driving by and it's a really bright red quilt, right? And I, I pulled over and I'm like, how much are you asking for that? She's like, oh, you know, um, like $3. I was like, well, I, I have a drawing. It's a really small one, but like, I think it's worth more than $3. Like, I can show it to you if you want to trade. And she was like, yeah. And she asked me about my art, and I'm kind of telling her about it. And ah. I pull out the little sketchbook, and I'm like, I can tell you this one. And she's like, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, she was so... Nice. Nice. So I got, like, this really big, awesome, like, satin quilt. And, like... You bartered. And, and now you just took an opportunity. She's now seeing your art. You showed her your page, probably. All that good stuff. So yeah. you just built a relationship built right a relationship. there. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships are key, is kind of what I'm hearing. Even yeah. even for an artist who's, you know, in reality, you're selling a product, mm-hmm. but the product is also you. Yeah. And that relationship people are building with you. That's really great. So walk us, let's get back to your story. And you went from, okay, now you're, you, we left off, you were painting on the streets and you were wearing a mask. And like, where did things go from there? Like, uh, just being at the right place at the right time. Um, I... Like I said, build relationships. Uh-huh. Someone might have bought a painting from me, introduced me to their ex-girlfriend or their girlfriend at the time. She might have introduced me to some other person, and I might have got like this opportunity to okay. work with the current. I meet cool. so many people there. You're talking you know. the San Antonio Current, the the newspaper, right? Yeah. yeah. I had sold a painting to my friend Rich, who's a big supporter, and also introduced me to my friend Marcus who's also a huge supporter, who then introduced me to Dell, who's also probably one of my biggest collectors now. Wow. Wow, that's that's cool. And, you know, just through networking and and building friendships with people, I was able to get where I'm at today. And, like, I I can't really say that on anything else. Like, it's my drive for my love of what I do, and it's through just building relationships with people who believe in me and that I have a respect for. and, And it's just letting that foundation you know be there I, I try to like it's hard you know to keep in touch with you know a couple hundred people right so, right. so I'm trying to find easier ways or, or more better ways to connect with them you know via Instagram and you know social media so yeah, no, that's um, awesome. in this part of my business I'm trying to you know build my own media team but I'm oh, going right. to make it like personal okay. cool. so is there is there like a single time a single big break moment that you can, uh, I mean, I'm sure there were quite a few yeah. breaks, right? Like is there something, or yeah, yeah. So anything in particular, meeting someone, was it maybe just your mentor you were talking about earlier? Uh, or? Him, and then I, I haven't had a chance to talk about my friend Roland yet, but this dude's like a, a, a role model to me too, because he's, he's just so driven as well, and he does, uh, you know, stuff with computers, and, and um, like programming, building websites, like, Anything that does with computers, this guy is like computers oh, nice. and business. Like he's the guy. Like right now, I believe he's like uh, Google in San Francisco. <laughs> and before that, you know, he was here. He he pretty much like made like really cool car and pretty much made his own hours. He had deadlines and stuff just like I did. But he was like just doing what he wanted to do in life. And and um, I met him thanks to my fiance Caroline because I was out painting in front of the Blue Star Brewery at the Blue yeah. Star. Yeah. And the owner there, um, 
Joey's like super cool, so um, he lets me paint in front of the, the blue star his, his restaurant. And um, I went around to go buy a painting or to do something of Robert Tatum or at his gallery or something. And, and on my way back, Caroline's like, oh, I, I met this really cool guy. Uh, he's here with his uh, girlfriend. Like, you gotta talk to him, he's like super cool. And, and she was saying like, he loves your art. I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy, like, you know, so, like... He's a know, fan, like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I ran up to him, I was like, hey, I'm Robert Gonzalez, he's like, oh, you're the artist, and, like, we kind of built our relationship, right? Well, he was getting ready to go on some trips, so he invites me and Caroline, this is, like, literally, like, 30 minutes of just talking, he's like, oh, I'm having a party tomorrow, like, at my swimming pool where I live. I'm like, oh, cool, where do you live? He's like, oh, the, the Grand Hyatt. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, like, you know, we're having this barbecue at the top and, you know, it's a pool party. And he's like, there's a jacuzzi, you can see the whole city. And I'm like, wow. cool, like, I'll be there. And continue to build our friendship. He introduced me to, like, so many more people. And I was able to uh, build relationships with everyone there at the party, which are all amazing people. And and I just felt, you know, going going with those those gut feelings has led me to, like, be where I'm at because I just yeah. go with the flow and, and, um, and anyway so Roland introduces me to Julie and Randy who commissioned me for the Spurs mural and the restaurant so wow. that, that was the Roland because they were getting ready to open a restaurant That's and cool. Roland had mentioned my name and he called me telling me that you know you know who they were and like to set up a meeting with them and they might be interested in you know, I called them, I think, the same day. You know, hey, you know, if you want to set up a meeting, you can talk about this. And they, yeah, cool, let's meet tomorrow. You know, within the week, I was, you know, had a, a paycheck to get materials and to start on the job. That's awesome. That's wow. Cool. So that, <laughs> yeah. That's the one where I feel like it really took off for you. Like, you did the, the San Antonio Spurs mural, and it was on ESPN. All the local news was on it. That thing took, like, everyone recognizes it. Yeah, and then for my, like, appreciation for, for that, like, Cause he didn't have to do that. Yeah, he really just like I, I gave him a couple of paintings because that was, that was for me like I feel like I couldn't do anything else but just to like gift him the stuff that I knew he loved and and yeah, like, the dude that's like a really that's cool. That's, that's awesome. So so at so twenty five you start or twenty four as you uh, remind me. So you started at twenty four, twenty five. You're you know you start meeting some more people and whatnot. When did the Spurs Mueller occur in your in That your was in July life? last year. So how old were you then? I was 27. So, 20, so within two to Wait, three no, years, sorry. essentially. Sorry, I was still 26. Oh, so yeah, yeah so like two years. Year, a year to two years after starting, you're pushing, obviously. You're, it's hard work, but I mean, you're subsisting on your own now. You're, you're yes. doing well. So, so my, my first year, I, I barely made like $7,000. Okay. Going into my my uh, third year, I was like, man, I did forty seven thousand. Wow! 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 So, Jeez, I'm always, and that was because I set these goals for myself that are like impossible, or, or not impossible, but they they seem like a little just too far out of reach, right? From the point where I'm starting from. So, um, yeah, I'll let you finish with yourself. No, no, no. This is what I want to hear. So, so you you, you made forty seven thousand dollars this last year. Um, are you on track to beat that this year? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Without saying too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
now what what's next for you? So you're doing uh, exhibitions, or what, what? What are you? You were talking to us a little bit about before the show. Yeah, your what idea I want to do is I kind of want to change the way people experience art, and awesome. I want to kind of like I might not be changing a whole bunch of stuff, but I kind of want to do things my way, and it might seem non-traditional, yeah. but I feel that it could be the start of like a new movement for how we experience art. Um, I don't okay. want to give too That's much away, super but cool. uh, I guess like the best kind of little clue I could give away is that I want to have an art show in every zip code in San Antonio, huh. which is like 82. Yeah, <laughs> wow. he already knows. That's He's got. Awesome. So you got this plan though. Yeah. So you're gonna uh, you're gonna work with like your patrons to make something like that happen, or you're gonna like just start it on your own? Patrons. Uh, I actually have a good friend of mine, and he's also a collector as well, uh, Dr. Ricardo Romo. He's the ex-president of UTSA, and uh, he's been super supportive. And he's he's probably one of the like the men that I could, you know, run ideas by, like on on, on that scale. And like he would know exactly like how to approach it or, or what I would, the steps I would need to do. So um, he, he's helped out with a lot of uh, big ideas that seem like really hard for me to do by myself. And I feel having people like that that are in different parts of their life and so much knowledge and different things. You but, cool. Yeah, yeah like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because I, I have, you know, uh, relationships with, you know, lawyers and doctors and stuff and, and it's always cool because they have so much knowledge I and mean, the carpenters, like, guys like Fred, like he, you know, pretty much showed me how, you know, these structures are built and how they're able to like stand and it's like really... It, it just means a lot to me to be around people like that, and, and yeah. I feel like I, I brought myself here, but with the help of other people. Okay. Cool. So you talked about how you want to change how people experience art. Like, how, what are you thinking? How? What does that look like? Uh, pretty much just like events, all different types of events, and you know, we got one in the works right now. Uh, it's going to be at the Core Village, it's a local salon, and uh, pretty much want to see. Uh, different types of people we could bring in and I want it to be like a really cool exclusive art party and cool and, um, what art party that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> I've never been <laughs> yeah so it's like when you know when you walk in the door we want to be able to like gift you art or you know oh sweet like, we want people to leave with art for their house their private collection their you know business collection you know um it's just we so many different plans going on, so many different local businesses that I want to collaborate with. I feel like right now we're living through this like modern day renaissance, and I feel like how can I, to how can I make my my statement? How can I make my mark? And how can people remember, you know, what I'm doing as an artist? Because as much as I love painting and doing this other stuff, like I want to connect with people. Right? Yeah. That's what I want to do. Like I want people to know who I am. I want people to know what I do, and I want to leave a positive mark on you know this world and I feel that these uh, events uh, help bring awareness and help raise funds for these like really cool art programs that are going on around the country and around the world and I feel like raising money for you know all these different art programs and stuff um, we get a lot of young artists and oh, yeah. right now especially emerging artists and you know um, and established artists that might you know 
want funds or need funds to do a specific project. Yeah, cool. That's a really cool idea to have like an event where there's pieces there. You maybe get a ticket to GenCom. You said you take home art. Maybe there's an exclusive piece there. Yeah, so 20% would go, like we wanted maybe uh, uh, like art art organizations either here in town or around the country, around the world. Cool. And that percentage of whatever the piece in there sells for, like you could either choose or that's what we're still kind of like figuring out. Yeah. As if like you could, we just have them choose, or if it'd be easier just to have different pieces for different organizations. Oh yeah. Well, that that's still. I mean, that sounds really cool. Yeah, so, yeah. earlier we talked about um, art, like the pricing of your pieces, and and you were saying, I mean, you went from a dollar piece to to now what you sell for. Like, how did you get there? What is it just demand, or or were you? Talk, talk, talk to us about what you did when before the show started. You were saying like what you thought you could get for a piece, and how do you price art? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. I, I literally like I remember like painting my first you know piece and thinking like how much is it worth? And um, a lot of long hours. I'm finally staring at a piece, and I'm I'm trying to think of like the most approachable number. So I was like yeah. painting these roles and these like stories in my head where like I'm painting it. Or I'm there standing next to it. Someone walks by. Hey, how much is it? And I think about, you know, how would I feel if I responded, you know, a certain number? And um, a lot of conversations with myself about, like, what what was I worth? And that was, like, the really interesting part of my life was because I was trying to figure that out. I'm sure, and I don't mean to, to you know, sound well, bad, but at first you're living on the street and you don't even feel like, you know, like, I just need to get something sold. Super you know? relatable, especially to our listeners who like are creating things, whether it's you know whether it's art or whether it's you know creating a, a furniture, whether it's creating little jewelry pieces that they're selling on Shopify or something. And, and it's easier for them because they can look and see, okay, what are other bracelets selling for? What are other couches selling for? Stuff like that. But with art, it's so unique. It's like this is a one of a kind piece. There's no comparable to that. So how do you price that? And that's a that's a tough question. Yeah. So I I, I think the best information I got was price per square inch. Yeah. And I think I started with like 20, 20 cents, twenty five cents. And I told myself that I was the more paintings I sold, the more I was gonna you know oh, raise the price a little bit. Yeah. And now I'm at a dollar. That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. It, it's almost like a home, you know. Really? The home's in a really good location, so the more valuable your, you know, you get as an individual, you can charge more per square inch. Yeah, you know? uh, I guess through the one of the lectures I listened to was like, you know, a dollar per square inch is, you know, pretty good, and you always want to like raise your price like every year or every other year, depending on how much you sell. Like, right. If you're not selling that much, then you probably shouldn't raise the price. But if you start selling more. You should probably raise the price and then get to a point to where you know optimal. Yeah, optimal and, and um, that's cool. Well, you were you were Derek. You were talking about price, kind of, uh, and you were one of your mentees. You were talking yeah, to you. price so, almost sets the value. So so when you see something and you're like, oh, this is a dollar, a dollar tree or something, you you value that at a dollar. But if it was you know four thousand dollars and you say like. Oh my gosh! It's, it almost kind of sets the value of what people hold to. Yeah, so it's literally it's literally people people look at something and if it's more expensive, even if it's something, even if the the product is something you could make yourself for very cheaply or with very little time, or yeah. that you see a, a 
a dime a dozen of these products. If don't go too crazy. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just gonna restart that. Yeah. So you know, pricing is so interesting because um, you could go to the store and find something. And there's a dime a dozen of it. But if you see something that's priced even just slightly more, your impression as a human being is not that necessarily that that thing is too expensive. Sometimes it is if it's mm. if it's a you know very typical product. But it's actually that that thing must inherently be worth more. It must be more durable or it must be better made. I mean, however you want to cage it, people, you know, we're we're not we don't make sense. You know, we're not always as logical as we like to think yeah. we are. So with artwork, I see a really big opportunity there to say, like, this is how much my time is worth. My time is worth a dollar per square inch, or my time is worth a buck fifty per square inch. Yeah, I mean, pricing is so important to being a successful business. It's, so it's one of the most important things to try to figure out. Too, yeah. Because, you, you know, you price too high, you're not selling enough. Like, if you come out, say, making purses, and you're, you price yourself at Louis Vuitton range, you know, like, you... you, you not going to sell a lot but you're getting more quality product and stuff like that it but if you know if no one recognizes your name and they're, they're like i'm not going to pay that for a brand i've never heard of before you can quickly fail or if you underprice yourself then people will consider you to be cheap and then you go you fail that way too so it's, it's like super touchy we talk about it in the guidebook a little bit about how to uh, determine your price, but I, I really like to hear what Al, Albert says about this because this is this is super cool. How you kind of by trial and error almost mm-hmm. figured out your price, and then like you were saying before, someone would ask you how much is this, and then it was like on the spot, yeah, determination. And then how do you do that? Like, <laughs> what is this person willing to pay? You know? Yeah. So that was just really like. The Wabi Sabi pieces that I sell like a whole bunch of now. Oh, can you uh, tell our listeners what the Wabi Sabi is about? Yes. I know so, we had a conversation when I linked up with you beforehand. Yeah, so like, I started, I uh, say so yeah, I Wabi Sabis. Um, so I was, you know, selling a whole bunch of work and I was able to, you know, sell some of my really early abstract paintings, which I still do a whole bunch of abstract stuff. It's probably another one of my good sellers too, my abstract work, but. Uh, I had just sold a couple to UTSA and I had always wanted to go to Philadelphia and New York and finally had the money to do that and I did it as soon as I cast a check, I booked my flight. So I go to Philadelphia and I'm introduced to the color cutouts by Henry Matisse and that changed my whole outlook on the way I used color. And I went to New York, saw some more Matisse work and I saw like a whole bunch of other artists. Uh, that's when I was also introduced to Giorgio at DeShirico. Desirico, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so I'm introduced to their work. I come back, and that night I have this like really vivid dream of you know the creation of these wabi sabis in my, in my studio. And the next morning I wake up. I'm taking uh, Caroline out to to lunch or brunch, and um, I'm telling her about this dream. I draw it on a napkin. I tell her I have to paint it today, and we go to the art store after that, and we spend the rest of the time in the studio. And that was the creation of the very first, uh, you know, flower painting that turned into be, you know, a part of the Wabi Sabi series. And uh, it was called Sunday Morning because of when I woke up. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so since May 2016, I've been able to paint over 234 of them. Ah. And uh, Wabi Sabi uh, used to be 
you know, uh, just separated. It used to be Wabi, which meant to be one with nature, and Sabi meant to be like aged and wise. And over time, the, the meanings like evolved, and now it's Wabi Sabi. And you also see it translated to like uh, embracing the imperfections in life, uh, perfect imperfection. And the way I translate that meaning with my art is each flower that I paint is not anatomically correct. So I use that as a symbol that as individuals, we all have our imperfections and our insecurities. So what I like to do is I like to use these really bright, bold colors to encourage people when they first interact with the painting from 30 feet away or three feet away, uh, they automatically look past the abstract and the imperfect and they see it for what it's meant to be. And the vase, it always consists of a vase and, and you know flowers and water and stuff and it, it might evolve from, from you know from that too but um, it's always on a flat plane the vase is always like on a flat plane and the water is always moving and that's you know like a contradiction because you know yeah. what it is <laughs> but, but, but the way that is a symbol is because we can't control what happens in life things could be going perfect or calm and life could just you know come at you <laughs> with some serious stuff and that's why the water is always moving is because those are the ups and downs that like we all go through in life and life being a symbol of water the water being in the flower the, the flower being in the water this idea that you got to let the experiences help you grow rather than you know the opposite hmm. that's super you cool keep yourself open to those experiences of life as opposed to just like what if yeah I mean, i'm looking at your tattoo right now fear regret not, not failure, failure. So it really kind of like encapsulates what you're all about. And that's really cool that you're pushing the effort through your art and being able to give this to other people so they can actually interact with the painting and stuff. Yeah, so, and it makes a lot of people happy, and that's like the really cool part. Is like that's what I wanted to do. It's like, yeah, is that a wabi sabi there on your notebook? Or oh yeah, so this is like one of my stickers. So I saw that earlier when we got started. Hmm. Yeah, it just grabbed me right away. I thought that that's really cool. It is bright color. It's you know it catches your attention. Yeah, and I like how it's even if it's a flat plane, the plane itself is not really on a straight line yeah. as well. So that's really cool. It's really bold. It is. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's very San Antonio. Yeah, yeah extremely like San Antonio. Yeah, actually, that. We'll, yeah, we'll have a link to your work definitely in the in the show notes, so our listeners can go check that out on Instagram and stuff like that because yeah. they've got to see that. That's really cool. So. When did you move into this facility that we're in right now? I mean, this this is a like you called it a, a diamond in the rough. Like, yeah. It really is. It's a gym. So this was in January 2016. This is like right after I had my solo exhibition, and you know I told you I had sold three paintings right in the, the solo exhibition. Well, that hope that goal of a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, I got close to it. So in October was a show, I had 63 paintings. By December, I had like five paintings left. Wow, yeah. okay, that's, that's awesome. pretty good. So, <laughs> you know, they're all like really reasonably priced, but I had a couple of really big abstract paintings, and um, one of my friends, a collector now, uh, Chris, um, he had went to the show, and he didn't buy anything that evening, but he was like, man, I really like these, and he pointed out like five of them. So I think it was like November, or I forgot when it was, I gotta look it up, but he, um, 
He calls me and he's like, hey, you know those paintings that I like? I was like, yeah. He's like, you think you could bring them by my house? I, I, I think I, I'm interested in those. You know, I want to mm. see how they look. I was like, yeah, I could definitely do that. And it was one of the big ones that I had for a thousand dollars and a couple of smaller ones. And I remember telling myself, like, even if he just buys like the big one, that'd be cool. And I remember thinking, well, what if he just wants one small one? Or what if he wants, you know, two? Yeah. And I start playing all these scenarios in my head. Well, anyways, um, he. He loves all the paintings. He's like, man, these are look so cool. And he's like, um, can you give me a good deal since I'm buying like so many? Ah. And I was like, I could do everything for fifteen hundred. He's like, okay. I was like, wow. He just said, like, no, no yeah, uh, thought yeah, behind yeah. it. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, so like, I, I'm sure I probably could have like said another price. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought about it afterwards. I was like, oh, I should have went a little bit lower, but I was like, no, nah, I, I needed money at the time. So I thought that was like, even just a really badass that he was able to like, just say like, yeah, yeah here you go. That's and super cool. Confidence so, at that point to really just push yourself and you are, you're, it's good for, because you're able to value yourself even higher now. And now you have more of a confidence to just like, Hey, this is me. I know what I'm about. Yeah, I got in. I got in the, the ride, and I remember telling myself, I didn't hit a thousand dollars on a solo self or you know an individual painting. But I was like, I just made fifteen hundred off of you know these paintings. It was a single sale. Though. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. A single sale. <laughs> I was like, you know, I sold the end up selling the bigger painting for seven hundred, which mm -hmm. is like a little bit less than a thousand. And I remember telling myself just that it's like. I'm like three hundred dollars shy of a thousand dollars for like an individual individual painting. That's so cool. that's pretty good, you know, for yeah. the first year to go from. You know, I sold a painting like that the same year, like or just earlier in the year for like like two hundred bucks, and I hated that. Like I, I I dread that moment when I like I didn't have any money and they're like, look, you know, give me two hundred dollars and two hundred dollars sounded really really good yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. like man I could really use like I could go on for like a month or two months you know mm -hmm. and I remember uh, the person was like I gave you $200 I was like man like, okay $200 and I remember telling myself that's worth way more than $200 <laughs> but I needed it but but at this time when I finally had sold that bigger painting um, I, I was just like so happy because I told myself next year next year I'm going to hit yeah. like a thousand dollars that's so cool and cool. with that money that I had from the show and toward the end of the year I had money for a studio and awesome. I was always painting outside and like it was just like really rough and I remember telling myself I was always taking the bus what if I just get like a small truck with the money that I had and I thought I'd rather invest it into an art studio because now I have a place to paint <laughs> like I don't yeah, have to that's really smart. paint outside and stuff anymore so I got a studio in January and by February, um, I had sold five paintings to UTSA, and wow. each one was for about a thousand dollars. So you made your thousand dollars. Yeah, that's awesome. After that, like, the, the same day, I was like, I just sold a painting for a thousand dollars. Now I have to sell a painting for you know fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars. So my my bars, or my my goals are always changing, and that's cool. I'm trying to exceed them. So you made it. I mean, at least for the moment. Yeah. You know, you're going to make it again. Yeah, that's awesome. You just raise the bar every single time. Yeah. Now, what so, would you... Uh, oh, um, oh, so I, I think it's... I'm actually running out of time here, so I think uh, we should go into the final five real quick. Yeah. So, so 
All right, so now we'll roll into the final These five, are the uh, same five questions that we ask every guest that comes on the show, uh, just to get to know you a little bit better. And, uh, are you ready? Yeah. All right, so number one is, what is your favorite business book? Uh, it has to be the one that I have in my backpack, and that's... Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Carry uh, think and Grow Rich, the complete classic text. I look at this book, it's awesome. It looks like... Bible. It is a Bible, yeah. With you. <laughs> it's got Black the little, Bible. it's got the little red bookmark, yeah, and it's got the gold binding. It's uh, those, it's, you know, it's my dad kind of like leading by example by you know doing what, what he loves or you know taking care of what he has to do. And I feel I put myself in a position to where I have the guidance from people, and and um, now I have more people that believe in me, which is an awesome feeling. But I, I feel like this book is helped by. Um, Having my dad read it first, and then, you know, as growing up, my dad would tell me, you know, things that he's, he's learned from the book, and, cool. um, yeah, I, just, I love that book. Yeah. Could you uh, give us, like, a one-sentence description of what it really, like, I guess, is about? Uh, just, like, a, a, a guidance to, like, be confident and, and successful. Like, for me, that's, that's what I'm, I'm taking from it. Like, I, I just feel like it gives you, like, these words of, like, encouragement, like, as a business, you know, as a person that wants to be financially like stable, and and I feel you know, that's what allows us to be, you know, doing the things that we do, right? Right. And, yeah. And you know, now I feel good when I could say, you know, I'm gonna go over here for you know a week and focus on growing rather than going over here for a week to relax. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I relax by doing what I love to do. That's and, cool. So yeah. think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Awesome. Well, number two, uh, talking about going around the city, uh, number two is what are your hobbies? Uh, right now, I'm actually going to be getting back into basketball. Oh, um, cool. One of my good friends, uh, David Ortiz, just asked me about joining the league, so I'll be playing with him. So if any of the listeners play well, basketball, yeah, come on, yeah, play. I'm always, down, play. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> down to play basketball. So That's cool. Uh, well, number three is probably near and dearest to my heart. Is uh, what's your favorite place to eat? Blanco Cafe. Michael Cafe. Uh, Blanco. 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 Yeah, Blanco, Blanco Cafe. Cafe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're like my favorite spot to eat. Uh, before, so before it was Tommy's, and I kind of like slowed down on eating there, and now I'm eating at Blanco's. So, what do they serve at Blanco? I, I could walk in, and I think they already know my order: uh, two, <laughs> two potato and egg. One bean and cheese, or most of the time it's one potato and one. All right, so you got those tacos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think you've hit on it so many times uh, during the show, but uh, we want to ask you, like, what do you think sets apart successful business owners or artists from those that give up or fail? I think just effort, effort. like really a hundred percent effort. Like if you really want to do something. You know, we all have different circumstances and stuff, but like, if you really apply yourself and you really put in the effort, like, I don't think there's a doubt that you can't make it happen. And, and you know, like, it goes back to the circumstances, like, you know, we all have different ones, but I, I feel like if you put any sort of effort with building relationships, communication, anything, put in effort, good things will happen, positive things will happen. It might not happen as quickly as you like, it might not happen exactly how you like but it will happen 
That's cool. That's, that's really cool. Well, you embody that, I think, going from, I mean, homeless painting on the street to now where you're, we're sitting in a beautiful studio. Yeah, this place. So where you work. Yeah, it's awesome. And you're selling paintings for a thousand apiece and, and only up from there, man. That's awesome. And trying to, trying to. I'm always just, you know, I, I, I'm never content. I'm always happy, but I, I'm never content. Yes, because, uh, mm. until, until I'm able to uh, really help people in the way that I want to and for the future, then I'm probably, my content level would probably, you know, go up, but right now I'm, I'm so hungry for, uh, you know, success and, and opportunities that I, I just want to be able to help other people too, because I, I've seen so many talented artists or talented individuals with, you know, whatever profession they want to do, but there's so many talented professionals that don't have that belief in themselves. And I feel, I, my confidence, I want my confidence to rub on other people to where they could be like, yeah, you know what, you can do it, I can do it too. And that's what I want to do with my art hmm. and my story. That's awesome. Well, what you're doing you, it right now on the podcast. So. What would you uh, recommend, for, let's just say a person wanted uh, listening, wanted to get into art, but they didn't know where to start. How do you, uh, how does one like translate themselves into that world if they're like, okay, I really like what he's doing, but where, how do I start? Where do I go to? I would learn? say study studying your market. Like know what kind of art you want to do. Know what kind of people like to buy that art. Know what kind of area likes to buy that art. And you know if you want to do something different, and, and I'm not telling you, oh, don't do this, don't do that. It's like that, that's my experience. Learn, uh, take my experience and do whatever you want with it. But like for my, you know, statement would be, uh, you know, study what you want to do do your own research about people's reactions and, and people's uh, price points and what they want to pay because you know you could be an artist and maybe you want to work full-time at you know whatever job you have and you want to do art part-time so then you might not need to make money with your art but if you yeah. want to do it full-time and you want to make money on it and that's all you want to do is you know be a professional artist then you got to look at all the avenues you have to make money on art you got to figure out which ones you want to do you got to figure out if you have the, the money or the tools to get these things done because uh, if you do things the right way then obviously you're going to get there a lot faster but if you do things the wrong setting, the wrong place the wrong time, you're probably not going to get the results that you want yeah, but, you know, there is a chance that you might but I'm just letting you know that there's slim but I, I think every artist has the opportunity to be successful because we all have different ways of, of doing it and um there's nothing wrong with asking people how they got to where they're at. And a lot of times people are just really uh, open to sharing their stories like I am. And I hope more people, successful business people are like that as well, which I'm sure there are. But I feel like we need a lot of people, uh, you know, back to back to what I was saying in the beginning, was uh, people to do stuff with information. Because if you don't yeah. use the information people leave, or people are able to share, then what's the use of even listening to the information? Like, like do something with the information, with information, and use it productively. Like, don't let it just one ear out the other, right? Just like my mom used to say, like, you know, I'm telling you this, out the other, like, don't let it do that. Like, seal this information, write it down, do something with it, and good things are gonna happen. Good, if, if a bad thing happens, something non-productive happens, analyze that, learn from the, that mistake, learn from what happened, and apply it to the future, and that's all you could do. That's I think, cool. yeah, I love that. That's so cool. So cool. I, think that's a, I think that's a really good lead-in to our final fifth question. So our fifth question uh, is, right now where can people could, find out uh, more find about you? I find a lot on my uh, website, which is albertgonzalez.com. 
art.com. We'll link it. Yeah, and uh, right now I'm doing a lot of really experimental stuff, uh, recording stuff on my phone. And uh, what I want to do back to that event, um, which is going to be a really good opportunity to meet me and see more of my art, and see my fiance's art, meet my fiance as well, okay. and you know, meet other really awesome nice. people that are going to be at the event. Is going to the event because what I'm going to do is I'm going to be making a short film, and it's going to be about my experiences of oh, just okay. talking so to people cool. and pretty much like a, like, I want to create short films and I want them to be like kind of like vlogs, but yeah, they're, yeah. like they're more like creative. Mm-hmm. Like I want to have like little funny things in there too, but it's all going to be recorded on my phone. So I'm also you know hopefully trying to get like a sponsorship with um, you know hopefully Samsung or someone that could see like what I'm trying to do and yeah. might want to be a part of you know helping me get the tools that I need because uh, I pretty much just want to record my life and then uh, at my art shows have those as like the premiere like exclusive premiere so it'll be like no cameras allowed uh, huh? I pretty much get to watch this like film and then people find me and most of those people that I meet probably you know strangers at the time of recording would probably end up going to the premiere and you get to meet them oh that'd be yeah. great oh, that's, wow. yeah, cool. that's awesome that's really cool so definitely come out to the events we'll have all of these things linked in our show notes on the podcast and so our listeners can go there and find uh, one click access to everything yeah I think we're, I think we're going to sell tickets because it's going to be the premiere of a short film and, okay, um, sweet. I, at first I, I really wanted it to be free but I thought you know this is also going to be a, like a movie premiere so yeah. I thought you know five dollars ten dollars I'm, I'm still trying yeah. to figure out the price yeah, because you know I want people to leave with art too. Right. So I think you know with the ticket you get a original, you know, or, or a limited edition print. So oh, that's cool. So I, I'm I, all about people that. Yeah, look out for that. You'll find me there definitely. Yeah. Okay. This <laughs> well, thank right. you so much, Albert, for talking to us today and inviting us here to your awesome studio. I know, really down, man. It. It, it was really dope meeting all of us. Well, that's awesome. So uh, with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Thanks. Bye. All right. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. The Startup Club Podcast, where we're working to make San Antonio the destination for small business and entrepreneurs everywhere. We'd like to say thank you to our sponsors, our music producers, and most importantly, you, our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Join the club at sastartupclub.com slash join.